listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. All right, we're back on Money Talk. I'd like to welcome our guest today, uh, a stalwart, uh, Alex Wong, director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management. Welcome back to the show. Hi, morning. Hey, good morning. We also have uh, Ben Emmons, who's the principal and senior portfolio manager at New Edge Wealth. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Andrew. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having us back. Great having you back on the show. Um, gentlemen, I mean, as, as this, this uh, supposed deal on the U.S. debt ceiling uh, comes home to roost. Uh, I mean, I mean, is this is this uh, deal done? How are you guys feel like? How do you feel this is being priced into the market? I think first of all, uh, the market actually are uh, already priced in the deal, so uh, we did not see any um, volatility or panic settings uh, towards the deadline. So I think uh, the market actually will not react that much uh, after the deal. So basically, probably we would have uh, some strength into the tech sectors and also into those uh, sectors which would be related more to the government spending. Probably we would see a uh, a rebound in the defense sectors, probably. Alex, why why the tech sector in particular do you think is going to have an upside from, oh, this, from this two-year deal? Uh, no, no, not because of this. This is just a carry on the momentum after the results of NVIDIA. So we are seeing a uh, AI craze right now. I think uh, that would probably continue. And this deal actually uh, provide the backdrop. Okay, Ben? Yeah, there are some uh, specifics in this bill that could, could indeed benefit several sectors. You know, as, as you mentioned, the energy is benef- uh, beneficiary because uh, Senator Manchin has been able to put in a, uh, a let's say, spending for a pipeline that he's been fighting for for quite some time. This is the Mountain Valley Pipeline deal. It's quite of a big of a deal, and that that type of project. I think it will get the attention of energy markets because, you know, it allows for more um, faster transmission of, of energy across the United States, but also for, you know, more support, government support for, for the oil industry. So, um, and then there's obviously the healthcare sector will benefit too because there's no cuts in Medicaid or anything like that. So I think for that reason, this bill will be received as positive by the stock market initially. Whereas the, the spending cap that will come into by 2024-25 will be discounted eventually as, as a negative or slight negative. And we still deal with procedures here before this bill actually gets through, the, through Congress. That's just come out today that, you know, there's some GOP hardliners out there that, you know, maybe want to kill the bills, as they say, before it even gets to a vote. So there's some uncertainty still around this this debt ceiling, which I think will linger into the, the, the you know for the majority of this week. Uh, you single out the energy sector in particular, Ben. Why is that? What what is it in this bill that makes you say the energy sector will benefit in particular? Well, there's been on the Democratic side a um, a, a big push for um, getting more energy projects, clean energy projects. Um, you know, funded, and and that seems to be supported by this bill. Then on the Republican side, there's a there's a big support for the larger oil companies, and neither of these sectors have actually seen a a reduction of spending or or proposed spending uh, in the next uh, few years through this bill. That's that's or this disagreement that mentioned. Uh, sorry, McCarthy and President Biden struck because one of the issues with with the debt ceiling is you have to find some sort of a compromise of where you're going to cut spending. 
ultimately, right? And and so this was one of the targets, energy sector. So that that didn't happen, I think, is a net positive for mm. the energy sector. Alex, have you got your eye on the energy sector in particular out of this deal? Well, actually, no. I think um, um, it has been depressed for a while because of uh, the concern on recessions. So uh, I think uh, even though probably we may see investment towards the sector, but uh, the, the point is that uh, we probably are still pricing in a recessions. And also, I think the latest uh, inflation data actually is not supportive as well. Uh, so uh, people probably may may not be too keen on, on, on going towards uh, these uh, old economy sectors. Mm. And, and gentlemen, um, I mean, uh, that's not the only data coming out of the U.S. Uh, we've got the debt ceiling deal. Uh, we've got an upcoming jobs report. What is your take on that? Are, are you, are, where are you expecting this to go and, and what impact might it have on, on interest rates, uh, Ben? So the jobless claims have of late shown improvement again, uh, which was a bit of a surprise, I think, to markets because sort of as of, the, say, the March episode with the banking crisis, Alongside of that period, there was a, a tick up in, in claims and party revisions that played a role, but party, you know, reflection of that the economy did get hit by the, the, the regional banking crisis and that it finally showed sort of the layoffs out of the tech sector coming through the jobless claims. And that has changed again. So this bodes for the, for the upcoming job support an important uh, data point because the consensus there is 190K, which is down from 253K last month. And that last month number had a huge revision, negative revision. So I wonder, as we get the ISM data this week too, particularly services ISM employment, if that again is stronger than expected with ADP report in between two then we may again set up for an upside surprise on payrolls. And that would vindicate the, the Fed to say, well, June is not only a live meeting, but we'll probably have to raise rates again because the job market isn't cooling off enough. And that's, to them, the, the key concern that if job market stays too strong, too tight, particularly services inflation, it's already been proven quite sticky, will get stickier and passes on to wages. So I think this job support is very key. And this, this, uh, the trend in the claim, jobless claims, I think, is, is very positive for the jobs market, but would probably uh, point to another rate hike by the Fed. Yeah. Alex, what are, you, are, you, are you alive with that? I mean, is, is, are, are jobs really the thing to watch? Yeah, of course, yes. I think uh, I concur, actually. Uh, the, the, the U.S. market, the U.S. job market has been more, much more resilient than expected. So we had been expecting a recession coming. And, and, and even though uh, we did see uh, layoff in, in tech sectors and in the finance sectors, actually the overall number remains strong. So I think that this is quite key because uh, we already have uh, some stickiness in the inflation. So uh, this is uh, uh, where we are we expecting some weakness. But if it did not happen, probably we might see uh, at least one more, more hike coming in the near future. Mm. And I mean, how how is this going to impact on corporate earnings over, over the over the near term? I mean, a lot of companies have announced layoffs um, because they're expecting a downturn. Um, but I mean, still, they're probably still going to be for the for the staff they do retain. They are going to be facing rising, you know, uh, labor bills. I mean, uh, how how are you guys taking that in, into account when you're picking your uh, your targets, Ben? Yeah, earnings have been better than expected too, and I think that has that's a function of that the margins, um, profit margins in particular, haven't shrunk, but people thought they did, and that has to do with actually with inflation, 
that has not come off so fast, so rapidly, that therefore pricing power of companies has been sustained. And you, you really have to look at there the, 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 the consumer discretionary sector that has enormously outperformed over the last uh, three months, really because the earnings have surprised to the upside because of inflation. As I mentioned, stickier services inflation, but that's been absorbed by consumers. Right? They, they're willing to take it and spend and not curve back any, any sort of activity. And so going from here, if, a, if the inflation stays where it is or, or maybe moderates, then the question is uh, how much of these wage costs will be passed through. And that has been very unclear. So we could again be in, in for another season of better, better than expected earnings, Andrew, believe it or not, even though there's so many skeptics out there that's saying that this is the end, we're going to have this earnings recession and corporate profits and margins will really start declining and the recession's here. It's just not happening. <laughs> the U.S. economy is just much stronger, more resilient than expected. Yeah, I mean, this is something that really strikes me. As everybody keeps saying, the, the recession is coming, the recession is coming. China's going to hit 5.5% growth, but China kind of yeah. under underperforming. And I mean, both markets are defying expectations. China on the downside, America on the upside. Um, Alex, what what is going on? Have, have the markets just got it wrong? Are the consumer, are the are the is the American consumer defying the uh, market analysts or what? I think first of all, uh, U.S. has been much resilient than expected, and I think uh, that that probably may still be um, the case. And for China, I think uh, if you look at this one faction, I think uh, people are losing faith on the China consumption stories because if you look at the decline, actually, um, this is uh, of course this is led by the tech. But uh, if you look at those uh, consumer names, actually they have uh, fallen by uh, around 15 to 20 percent on the on the popular names like Leaning and Enter. I think uh, people are a bit suspicious uh, on the long-term growth story of the China consumption sector because probably they 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 reckon the um, manufacturing sector will remain weak and that would uh, spill over to the employment sector. And also, if you look at the latest figures, actually youth unemployment has been a very big problem in China for quite mm -hmm. some time now. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, people are losing faith on the China consumption story right now. Yeah, but I mean, if they're losing faith, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of, I mean, for a long time, the markets were saying, oh, China's going to be the big thing. And uh, do you think the tide is, uh, or sort of the pendulum has, has started to swing the other way? Do you think markets are starting to say, hmm, you know what, that 5.5% 5, 5, 5 growth is going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I think uh, for China, actually, if they want to happen, that they will happen. But I think uh, the, the quality of the growth would be the, the key for people to watch. So I think uh, people are more concerned about the quality than the quantity. So uh, if that is supported by infrastructure spending and government spending, I think people will not be happy about that. Mm. I mean, uh, I mean, okay, if China decides they want to have 5.5% growth, um, and they're going to juice the economy by spending more money. I mean, uh, isn't there already a large debt problem at the government level, whether it's at the municipal level, the provincial level, maybe not the national level, but certain, certainly the municipal and the uh, provincial level, we're, we're facing some serious debt problems. Ben? Yeah, that is, and that, that, that continues to be a, a, an issue in the, in the China economy more, I think, on a prolonged basis. But back to your question on, on what's happening right now, uh, you know, Morgan Stanley released some really interesting data on how mobility sensitive uh, activity as well as restaurant services are just skyrocketing in China right now from the trough in, in March of 2020 at near negative 20%. Now they're up 
10, 15%. So the Chinese economy is following the pattern of the reopening that has happened elsewhere in sort of a V-shape type of move. And then at some point it tapers off. And then those debt problems that you talk about, which are more, more structural, are going to become a, a big issue again. So I think they will hit that growth target this year. Uh, and then subsequently they, it will start to soften. So to an extent, if I look at the, at the CSI uh, 300 index, and you look at since the peak of January, uh, when we topped out after the, the initial recovery, what's really underperformed there is, is, is actually Chinese banks and consumer discretionary industrials and, and healthcare. Mm. Yeah, that seems to be pointing to more longer term trends, right, that are showing up there, except for the consumer discretionary, that's a bit surprising, to be honest. Whereas it's the, the other side of the index is really driven by the AI hype that we're currently going through, right? The InfoTech index for, for China is up 12% since that time. So I think the China stock market's a bit wedged between what we're dealing with with, with tech rally that, that you know is so driven by AI against that reopening, which actually looks healthy, but the longer term structural trends on have not changed. China does deal with a property problem, debt problem that it has to work off, and as we know from U.S. post financial crisis, it takes probably up to a decade to really work off that debt problem. Ben, we've got about a minute and a half. I'm going to pick up on what you said about the AI strike. I mean, I mean, how do people play the big AI surge right now? I mean, NVIDIA chips are hot. Um, but if you're looking at China, where, where is China on this? I mean, where, where, how can you invest in the Chinese market and pick up? Uh, I mean, are they, are they, is there any company making similar moves to NVIDIA in the AI market? Yeah, there are. And I'm, I'm actually not so specific analyst on that, on that front particularly, but I'd say this, that um, AI is capturing all markets currently. Right? It, it's something that has come about as ChatGTP was, was released last year and NVIDIA produced that H100 chip at the same time. It just propelled the uh, the rally because people look at this saying, we're back to the 90s where we discovered new technology is going to improve productivity and therefore economic growth. And whether that's in the US, Europe or in China, it's all everywhere the same. Everybody's competing for that same type of technology. Mm-hmm. So you, whether you look at the, at the CSI 300 index, the technology is up or it's in Europe or here, it's all the same par- parabolic move, right? So markets are trying to put a, a number on it, a value on it, what that AI yeah, will 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 be worth going forward. Yeah. Um, so I think it's more of a broader uh, global trend in AI optimism sentiment than just China specific. Okay, well uh, we're going to finish on that. Thank you very much, Alex Wong, director of Alex K Y Wong Asset Management. Good job today in our downtown Admiralty studio. Thank you very much, Alex. Also Ben Emmons, principal and senior portfolio manager with New Edge Wealth.